Bluemakers Podcast by MyraBase.com with Oshoya Böte. Hey, hey, again. This is Oshoya. I hope you are well. And uh, this is the ninth episode uh, since I um, make this whole podcasting and um, I, I hope that you are enjoying this uh, the episodes. Uh, I'm curious about your opinions or impressions so please share them with me. And today our guest is a very inspiring man from Sweden. His name is Kurt Holberg. Uh, he's actually from Trelleborg, Skane County, uh, this is in Sweden, and uh, he is actually working uh, as a design engineer at SIQAB, if I pronounce well. Uh, he has a very uh, long um, and interesting experience uh, regarding water and nature-based solutions. Um, in the recent years, he has co-founded and worked on the company uh, Waterco AB as a CTO, and here he has developed a water purification system that purifies water and precipitates minerals like lime through an environmentally friendly and efficient method. Um, this is resulting in cleaner water and conduits and a substantial amount of energy savings in industrial purchases at a low cost. It's very interesting. Even if this work is mostly done, he is still involved when they solve difficult problems and new applications uh, with um, his uh, company and um, he, uh, with his colleagues. He has uh, a bunch of um, exciting inventions. Um, in this episode, he talks about uh, these inventions and how they purify water without any chemicals. Can you believe this? Purifying water without chemicals. Uh, it sounds like a dream, but uh, this is a reality by them. And yeah, um, he also talks about his uh, point of view, how they apply um, nature-based solutions. and. Uh, his inspirations and uh, everything about water. Uh, yeah, I hope you will enjoy this. Um, I, I liked it. So let's start the episode. Uh, I'm Kurt Hellberg. I'm living in the south of Sweden near Malmö. I'm 61 years old and I have been working with sort of uh, biomimetics since 1985. I am, uh, well, from the very beginning in my life, I was an <coughs> officer in the Swedish Navy, but uh, at 25 years old, I gathered myself together and started to study again. I started to study two years of physics at the Technical University, and then later on, I became a Master of Science in Development Engineering. And since then, I've been working as a, mostly as a uh, technical consultant, engineer, something. <laughs> but I've also had my own uh, business, and that's about um, sort of a, a new kind of 
flow technology, uh, utilizing the 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 uh, the theories, uh, ideas, and work of a man Victor Schauberger, an Austrian forester, who started to work uh, with this issue in the nineteen twenties uh, until he died in nineteen fifty eight. So I stepped over this. Uh, stumbled over, I would say, <laughs> this information in, in um, 1985, and uh, I read a book called uh, Living Water by Mr. Olof Alexanderson, a Swedish author, and I was hooked. And then we got on, we started to, uh, to uh, discuss and sketch drinking beer and sketch more, drinking more beer, etc., for a couple of years until 1994, where we got a scholarship from the Swedish Civil Engineer Association, where we wanted to sort of replica the, uh, one of the, uh, make a, building a replica of one of the uh, setups he has been testing, which was done at the Technical University in Stuttgart in 1952, with uh, Professor Purple as the sort of uh, uh, base behind everything. And Professor Purple is a quite known name in, the, in this world. Uh, so, uh, the thing for us was he came up with a couple of very interesting results and it was, was also very well documented with pictures and, and diagrams and everything. So we thought, let's start here. And everybody was telling us, oh, it will not work. It, it, we have tested it, we haven't been successful, but we just set it up and it worked. And we said, oops, what do we do now? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, at the same time, this was 1996, I set up my first uh, 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 site on the internet called Vortex World. Wow. It's sadly uh, neglected right now, but I will do something about it later on. Anyway, uh, at the same time, there was a guy, his name was Dan Reese, living in Texas, United States. He had problems with his drinking water, as he had a lot of... Uh, iron and manganese in it and he, he bought a filter to remove this but this filter was an iron exchanger so it actually switched iron for for uh, sodium and um, with lots of sodium in the water it's the same thing as take, eating too much salt which gave him problems with his heart so he said I must do something else and then he found us and we designed a system for him called uh, Vortex Systems. This is basically five cylindrical uh, uh, containers spinning the water uh, and uh, taking out the iron and manganese. Probably work with all kind of, of metal ions in water. We have just tested iron and manganese. So then uh, we, was, uh, we were fired from that company I worked for. Uh, as they, they had a, they went bankrupt anyway. Uh, and we, that gave me the opportunity to start my own company called Batreco. If you look for batreco.com, W-A-T-R-C-O.com, uh, you will find it. And uh, we first started to investigate the, the um, water system, how it actually worked, and we found out why. And then we started to see, to test this on ice arenas because we had some people, uh, uh, yeah, they, they, we, have, we were lucky and they said to us, what if we make ice out of this water? 
and I said, ice is ice, isn't it? That's something I have been eating up since then. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we put a system on, on the machine that goes around the, the, the ice. And the first thing we noticed was actually the ice froze much faster. And they said, wow. They said, no, we said, wow, here is something interesting. And it was about two to three times faster because sometimes when the machine goes to on the ice, it could go two or three rounds before the ice start to freeze, where it wasn't from the beginning. But now you can almost see how the ice is freezing after the machine. And then, then we said, Ooh, what would you do? What we will do about this? And we said, maybe because sometimes, often, almost always, <laughs> Uh, you have to heat the water before you put it on the ice. So you have somewhere around 60 Celsius degrees of the water. But we could do the same thing on the ice with the water, so you, you, but with cold water. So the reason you have hot water is that the, <clears throat> the water should float out on the ice, go down in <clears throat> cracks and pores, and heal the ice. But we could do this with tap cold water, which meant that you were not you didn't have to heat, say, 10 cubic meters of water from 10 to 60 degrees or what it is. It's a lot of energy. You don't need to heat the water. That has to be cooled out by the machinery afterwards. So you save machine time as well from the cooling machinery. And then we find out that the, the ice was much more stronger and faster. The ice was actually faster. So we started to, when we installed a new system somewhere, we started to say to the guys, don't, don't tell the ice hockey players, don't tell the skaters. And they come after five minutes because they step on the ice all day and they notice, what have you done to ice? They notice it immediately. That was fun. And <clears throat> so far, no one has really been able to tell me why is ice slippery. Um, some say that it's because of friction, the skates uh, melt ice and the slide of a thin sheet of water. But today, uh, the main idea is that you have a thin, thin layer of sort of uh, water that is not solid, it's not liquid, it's somewhere in between, uh, like a uh, slime. And it's also uh, in, in thin sheets. Like you, when you step on a banana shell, you know, you, it's very slippery. It's yes. basically <laughs> the same idea. Um, so our idea is that we, we uh, make this more, more, more thicker or more durable or, or stable or what is, or both. And, and um, uh, there is a guy living in Vancouver. His name is uh, Gerard Pollack. He's a former professor in biophysics. He found out that if you have a very hydrophilic uh, material as a water-loving material, such as ice. Water loves ice. Water loves water. So, say you get a very structured layer just close to the ice, and it's it's not just close to the ice. It's about if you have good eyes, like you have. If you have good eyes, you can actually see the effect. It's, it's about uh, a quarter of a millimeter thick. But uh, this very specified water is is ice-like. Ice is water molecules uh, in, in hydro, um, uh, like a bee cake formation. Um, 
uh, and, and but in, in sheets and locked together with hydrogen atoms. So that's ice, but this water is without the hydrogen atoms. It's ice-like, but it's not frozen. And these sheets can slide on each other, but that's why it's so fast. And we think that we, in some meaning, build up this kind of structure in the water, in, inside our vortex unit. And, and um, uh, therefore, it also freezes much faster because it's more dense, it conducts heat better, or the heat that is conducted out goes quicker, so therefore it freezes much faster. Anyway, um, then we started to sell this system and we found out that we don't actually affect just water crystals. Uh, we affect basically any kind of crystallization in the water. And uh, mainly uh, minerals such as calcium or, or silica in water. And we have found another kind of sort of machine that needs this is, is water towers or cooling towers. In, in, especially in, in California, uh, our cooling tower is basically a funnel where you pump a lot of air through. And in, the, in this airstream, we have tubes with that should, that should be chilled. Works fine in the winter, but in the summer it's too hot. You need to spray water on it, so it, the evaporation cools the system. But if you have calcium in the that water, it it uh, sticks to the tubes, and a half a millimeter takes away about seven to ten percent of the efficiency. So they want to get rid of the scalings. So what they do is they put a lot of acids in the water, a lot of uh, uh, anti-algae, antibacterial agents and stuff, means that when you have to change this water, uh, you can't just pump it in, out to the system because it will kill the, the biological stages in, in the water, uh, water cleaning plant. Meaning that you have, specially, have to specially take care of this water and it's extremely expensive. It costs about, I heard, 30 to $40 per cubic meters and they have cubic meters, I promise you. So what we did, we made a, a small refrigerator-sized machine containing a bit of water, some filters, and our, our device, a pump, and, and a UV light. And that was enough to, to run our cooling tower without any chemicals at all wow. for eight months. Perfectly. And any, the fun thing is... Any chemical at all? Excuse me? Any chemical at all? No chemicals at all. Just oh. the water. <laughs> I was in the water, of course. But but they, they have a, um, something they call cycle of concentration. And when you fill up the tower with, with new fresh water, you have uh, one. And when you have uh, two, you have lost half of the water. And they normally change the water somewhere between one and a half and two. But we were able to run this up to eight before they had needed to, to uh, change the water when, when they, we couldn't have the, the minerals in solution any longer. And that means that you save a lot of water. Uh, today we save up 40-45% of the water that was used earlier. And that in a state where they literally had no water. So how much is that worth? And so you save water, you save electricity, because you have the tubes are more or less clean all the time, and you don't need any chemicals. So we are replacing chemicals with physics, more or less. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
It sounds so, really beautiful. Uh, that's all you know about Ginter Pauli? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, nice. He's a very nice person. Yeah, I really like his uh, whole concept and this is the reason why I do this uh, podcast also. All right. Yeah, nice. So I actually I've been there in in um, in um, what was the name? Uh, 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 Page or something? P-E-C-S at the university. So I, I was there. Uh, Page? Uh, uh, Page. Okay, thank you. In, in, in <laughs> no, Hungary. Uh, yeah, I was there in 1914 and 1915. Wow. <laughs> there we have uh, another thing. Uh, it's um, basically the opposite. It's a uh, machine. It, it's the basics, the same thing as, as the first vortex unit, but it's shaped like a big egg. And inside you have the spire coming out and the water is ejecting out, but uh, the lip of the outer side is very rounded. So the vortex go back. So it's ejected front, but it turns and goes back, meaning that you create a suction before, uh, before the egg. So in the same uh, oh, egg-shaped uh, cylinder or chamber, you have water, a spire coming out, a spire coming in, and water out, air in, out in between. So you suck in air with this system. It's basically a very advanced injector, but you mill the air between the water streams. So it's very, very fine bubbles. So it's a very efficient oxygenator or, or something you can blend. You can blend uh, a liquid with a gas, a liquid with a liquid, a gas with a liquid, or a gas with a gas. So it's very um, useful, and we use it for in ponds where you have problems with algae. So uh, we introduce a lot of oxygen in, in the pond, and the oxygen for some types of algae is a toxic. And especially we have, we, we call it thread algae, I don't know the, the English term for it, but it creates this thick green layer on the surface of the pond. Uh, and. Uh, in Sweden, we have, have been must have introduced new rules for the golf courses because you must shoot the ball from where you can see it. And if if we, if it comes into a pond, it sinks to the bottom normally, and they have to sort of have a duty. Uh, uh, ah, hits with the club, <laughs> and and but here you can see it on on the on the algae. But we remove the algae, and these always algae they sort of. Uh, suffocate the pond, so it's stinky and, and uh, uh, it's not good water, it's not, not good water quality. So a pond in the city is an artificial system. We have an artificial system. With two artificial systems, we, we create a natural balance. And we pump, just pump some water. You can have a, a solar cell driving the pump. So you don't need extremely much power, not really much power at all. And, and no chemicals here, less from your, what, have in, what you have in the city air. <laughs> but it's mostly oxygen. So that's also one thing. I'll be testing that in, in, in Holland now, where they have problems with um, uh, a, a river, a Dommel, River Dommel near Einhofen in Holland. And, and um, the problem is when it comes a lot of rain, a lot of uh, oxygen-consuming agents coming down from the acres around into the river, 
and they consume a lot of oxygen and the fishes are dying and the river stinks and it's not good. So they have this system, a huge, I mean, I really talk, really huge eggs. <laughs> and and uh, when this happens, uh, two, three times a year, they go like hell and oxygenate in the water. So they sort of uh, feed these agents so it won't steal the oxygen from the river. Oops, sorry. And, and uh, that's a system that looks very, very promising right now. But another thing is to use water in, in uh, sort of uh, aquaculture as um, um, hydroponic solutions or aeroponic solutions where you introduce uh, CO2 in the water. So you bind CO2 in the water to feed the plants because the plants want both oxygen and CO2. So that's uh, another opportunity that we also use. And, and coming back to what Ginter uh, Paoli mentioned in, in Blue Economy, he brought this up as one of the interesting technologies. And, and uh, so here we are right now. I'm not in Batreco anymore. I am uh, looking for new opportunities. I have a new kind of uh, water purifier, which I think it is possible to uh, so desalinate seawater in huge, uh, 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 a lot of water at the same time for much less energy and much less uh, uh, cost than it is today with RO systems or whatever you do. So here I am. <laughs> it's a very nice uh, background and story and uh, with really exciting ideas. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, how did you um, meet, meet with the black economy and what inspired you to build these technologies? Uh, uh, I met Pauli in, in Austria, I think it was 2008, it must have been. Uh, and and uh, there is a conference in Austria uh, helped by uh, Victor Schauberger's grandson, Jörg Schauberger, and it's in Badischl, Austria. And I was there having a kind of lecture, I don't know what it was, but something. And Gitte Pauli was there, so we started to talk, and, and he, he found out that, yeah, that we were interesting. And I found out what he was talking about is something I have been in my mind all the time, because uh, biomimicry is a quite a modern term, it is very hyped, uh, but uh, Victor Schauberger talked about this in the 1920s. He, was, he mentioned the, the, the statement, kapieren und kopieren, first to understand and then to copy nature. And that's exactly what biomimicry is, but it was some ah, 80 years ago or something. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's uh, meeting Gitter Pauli also led us into the world of the blue economy. And, and also uh, to meet uh, Janine Banyu, uh, his, his partner, in, when he was voting his, his first books about this. And, and yeah, we have been following around since then. <laughs> and uh, what was uh, your main inspiration to um, occupate with these activities from your youth? Well, we have all these problems we have. I mean, uh, you have all heard about uh, Greta talking in, in, in the United States, etc. And, and um, 
this is the new generation growing up and um, I understand them because they're desperate and they should be and that's something I saw for many years ago that this um, Victor Schauberger talked about this in the 1920s 1930s he was mentioned that in the future a bottle of good water will cost less than a bottle of good wine and we will have uh, floodings uh, at the same time we have uh, thirst we have no water to drink and everybody was they were laughing at him but now they're not laughing anymore and I have always been connected with water uh, my I grew up under over and in the sea <laughs> <laughs> my parents were sailors and and in the summer and the winter there was skiing so that's also water so what has always been in my mind, so when this came up in 1985 about the book of Living Water, and, and, and that's something switched on in me, and I decided that I would do my best to put all things, I'm, everything I knew, everything I can do to solve, or try to solve at least, some of these problems, or give a, a part of the solution anyway. Both with, with water and water purification, um, energy, energy production, and transportation. Because uh, Victor Schauberger addresses all these uh, issues. So uh, my idea is to put everything I can into this technology and put it out where it is needed. Mm -hmm. So that's my view. And uh, regarding water, uh, what do you think? What is the biggest challenge today? The biggest challenge today is not to mix a lot of stuff into the water. Because this is basically a sorting problem. If we had not put in plastics, chemicals or whatever it is in the water, we did, didn't, don't need to, to purify the water. We must be much more efficient how we do it and and, and how, how we actually sort of administrate water so it's not um, uh, say, polluted. I was visiting uh, Crete for a couple of years ago. Um, there is this big uh, um, castle or the ruins of a castle called Knossos where the old Minoans worked. This was a hydroculture. They had fresh water, grey water, black water, they had flushing toilets, 3,500 years ago. And they considered water as, uh, as uh, a holy substance. So say, we take in the water, we uh, use the water, but we have to leave it back to nature in the same state come to us. And they, they knew about this for 3,500 years ago. So why shouldn't we be able to do this in our modern, very sophisticated technological world? I think it's stupid. Uh, the problem is not our knowledge. The problem is what's it's in between here. We are too stupid sometimes. Yes, and the knowledge what we don't use is uh, don't has the value. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. indeed. And uh, you, uh, the technologies. Uh, what about you talked? Uh, how do you see um, how companies or people use it? Or it... It, yeah, uh, we call it uh, the, the, the unit we have, which is a, a kind of 
vortex uh, device. It, it sets the water into rotation, into, into a vortex. Uh, it's, we call it IVG, called Industrial Vortex Generator. And it's basically a solution looking for a problem, more than a problem looking for a solution. So I, as soon as I talk with anyone that have do something with water, we can say, ah, we can put our unit there or whatever. I mean, uh, the same technology we use for, for, for the water uh, or, or the cooling towers where we get rid of the, of the calcium, you can use it, say, an example, for when you're making paper. Paper, uh, in paper mills, you have a big a band, uh, textile band, where the paper comes out on, and you have a lot of calcium there. So after a while, you have to change and, and replace the, the, the textile, textile bands, and it costs a huge amount of money. And if we treat water before it comes there, they don't need to, to change them as often. They, they, need, they can, they can um, use the, the bands or, or the other textile in a longer time, which save a lot of money. So there's one application. And if, we, if you scratch and everywhere, you can find something. So, and, and well, um, I've been trying to make wine with this water. And actually, there is a difference. I, I took... Uh, one of these, you, you can buy uh, a homebrew, wine, homebrew stuff. Uh, and I divided it in two parts and had one, one uh, barrel with uh, just plain water from the tap and one other barrel with treated water. And actually, I could see there was a difference because it took a bit longer time with the treated water to start uh, fermenting. But when it started, the, the action was much higher. I measured it in, in, in the temperature because I got a higher temperature and it's all in all, it took a shorter time to do it. So there's something happening. Some people say that they, they can taste the difference in wine treated by this water. I'm not sure. I'm not that good a taster. <laughs> I just drink it. <laughs> but so, uh, are... yeah, you can find it anywhere, I guess. We have been making... Um, um, when you blend fat into water, and you want it to emulgate oil into water, as you do it with, with uh, skin cream and stuff like that, uh, we don't need to use any emulgators. We don't need to use any chemicals. If you ask just a bit of hot water and run it through the same kind of device we, we uh, had to oxygenate water, but you put in oil instead of, of, of gas, it mixed into a very fine emulsion and very stable as well. So that's, that's another solution. I can think of a couple of previous names. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this uh, Vortex technology can be used by households or mostly by companies? Yeah. No, no. Uh, we, oh, we, I say, Vatreco have uh, different sizes. Uh, from, I think the smallest one is about 400 liters per hour, which is normally... Uh, Somewhere we have one in 400, one 800, one 1300. There is the size you have for households. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have up, up to 50 cubic meter per hour as well. <laughs> so, but they are slightly bigger. <laughs> and um, how do you see the supply chain of uh, water? What happens uh, usually with water after we use? But because I think that. It's an invisible thread of the story. We just use the water 
and that's all. We don't see what's happening in the background. Now, uh, that's a bit on where you live. Uh, in Sweden, it's very regulated. Uh, you're not allowed. I mean, even if you live in a in a um, uh, solitaire household out in the somewhere, you're not allowed to just leave the water untreated into nature. You need you need to have either a septic tank or or uh, uh, some other kind of of sort of uh, we call it three chamber uh, wells. It's it's a kind of purification system. But you're not allowed to 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 just let it out free. Uh, but I guess if you come to other countries, as I've seen pictures from rivers in in India with a huge amount of plastics, etc. Oh, you know, I don't want to know what's in there. But there, you, this more or less untreated. But but uh, even in Sweden, we have problem. Even if we do uh, uh, run water through the the, the water plants and, and sort of cleaning we still have problems with plastic in the seawater there's a lot of plastic out in the baltic sea as an example but very very fine plastic and actually i i um, was involved in a kind of a sort of competition just before christmas uh, last year and and uh, it's for rice and and edl is a swedish engineering uh, of a yeah, society or something. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but anyway, um, they were addressing the kind of water you let out from, from washing machines. And if you wash uh, a fleece shirt, you get a lot of fibers coming out. And the problem is, the, the question was, how do we take care of this? Uh, and actually, I came in the second place with a concept that I mentioned with the, uh, the my new system that I would like to develop. Eventually, I even have some, some families behind me, if I'm lucky, I think. Uh, and, and what I need to do now is to actually show the, the kind of proof of concept for the system. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. Besides that, I'm working uh, as a consult engineering consultant to, yeah, for bed on the table. <laughs> and uh, what's happening with the contamination when we um, purify the water? with this technology? Yeah, the, you have two phases. You have one one um, sort of uh, purified phase. Uh, we call it accept water. The accept water, uh, if it meets the standards we set for it, it can be uh, let free. But then you have a concentrated phase of, of shit water, <laughs> basically. And, 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 and that has to be taken in because what you're doing, you're actually concentrating the, the toxic and the, the pollutions. And, and um, if it's just plastic, it's fine, then you can take care of it. If it's some kind of biological matter, eventually you can sort of ferment it or, or, or compost it so it can be used as a fertilizer uh, later on. And, and some other parts have to be... Uh, taken care of by, by, I mean, if it's uh, remains from from uh, uh, pharmaceutical drugs or something, uh, you need to, I think you need to burn it. But of course you can all, but it's, it's the water phase is much smaller. And that's, that's a, the thing with it. So you can, even though it's still wet, it's not that much water you need to sort of dry out before you can take care of it. Or you can actually run it into a, a, a an oven or whatever you do with it to destroy it. 
there's also another kind of technology which is very similar to our vortex. It's called, uh, I think it's Dutch, called Windhexe. It's a, a very huge um, kind of cyclone where you, you pump in, in air with the stuff you should be separating out and it goes down in a vortex and at near the end uh, there is a clean part going backwards again and all the dirty stuff goes out in the bottom and then if you do it in a certain way you have to sort of vibrate or pulse pulse the air that comes in it goes completely dry you can dry anything you can dry everything from from well oranges to to uh, stones and the fine thing is that stones comes out in as dust and they're not crushing against the wall. There, there are um, sort of magnetical forces that, that crushes the stones. And if you have put in uh, coconut fibers, they come out and they spread out like hair around the, the opening, which there is also not, not just a, a kind of magnetic field, it's also an electrical field. And, and if you pump in salt water, it comes out salt, solid salt in one end and moisture in that end. So that's that's a may eventually a way of, of, of doing this, and you're not drying it uh, in the same way because if you calculate, if you if you do calculation on it, the energy is not enough to sort of dry out this. But what you do is the same thing you do when you have your hands wet and you have a towel. You do like that. You shake it off. So it's a kind of vibration. So you shake off the water from the particles. Wow. And that, so that, that's something you can, you can run. I don't know. I think actually it's, I should not say that the patent is free, but I don't think it's active anymore. You know? mm -hmm. So if you look at Windhexe, you can find it. And uh, how do you see, I, uh, I know that there are some uh, trying uh, of uh, purifying water with trees. Yes. Uh, that's also a way, especially if you have just um, biological things in the water, chemicals is worse. I know uh, there is a system not far away from where I live called AquaClean. And basically it's three barrels or three, three wells, because you call it. The first well is just a kind of a separator from, um, from the big stuff. And, and the, the uh, liquid stuff go into the first barrel which is on the bottom and it goes floating up in circles through something we call a bioblock. A bioblock is a, a kind of um, plastic, it uh, looks like tubes, but they're sort of look like they are, are made of, out of rope. It's not rope, it's plastic, but it's very porous plastic. So it has a very, very big surface. And on the surface, bacteria are growing. And when the water comes up with oxygen, bacteria will eat up the stuff in the water and uh, afterwards uh, you need eventually to clean out because the, the phosphor is difficult to get rid of so they have a filter uh, I don't remember what kind of stuff they have in that filter but anyway it's it's it sucks up the the phosphor and after a while it's this filter is saturated you replace it but that filter that mass you can spread on the acres is it's a kind of a natural fertilizer again and I've seen a system that the, uh, the prototype they had, um, I think it was 50 persons living and all the water coming from that, uh, actually it was our kindergarten, a small school for children. 
and, and all that water came into this system. And the water taken from the first, or the second step, was actually cleaner than you had from the tap. So you could drink that water. I've done it. I was a bit, a bit, a little bit uh, reluctant, but I did, and I survived. <laughs> <laughs> but I said the, the amount of bacteria is lesser in this water than it is in in the the uh, tap water, and that tells you something. And uh, what kind of uh, barriers do you see uh, in application of these technologies? Because uh, they are not so popular yet. Um, tradition. Mm-hmm. Mostly, and and I mean we have problems with our our ice sisters because first in Sweden we have we have two bosses. That's that's the first uh, obstacle. The first person is uh, is the person who is on the community or, or the ice hall or whatever. He's responsible or she is responsible for for energy and production and and all the maintenance and so that person can understand what we are talking about. So those those are more easy to, to um, uh, sort of tell the system. But the other one is the guy who has been doing the ice for 30 years and is doing the best ice in the world. And you should not come and tell him how to make ice. That's our problem. And, and we, we, uh, we had some problems up in, in uh, mid-swing somewhere. Uh, we tried to sell a system. And he said, oh, no, it doesn't work. It's <laughs> shit. I don't know where. And we say, okay, you can rent a system from us. Oh, no, 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 it doesn't work. It's shit, shit. And then we said, well, you can borrow the system for a month. We come up and put up the system for you uh, for a month, and you can test it. Well, okay. So, and then after 14 days, he told us, well, it's super fine, your system. Well, what the hell did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other guy, we were a bit lucky he was some kind of authority in the field and then the other ice arenas around started to call oh we have heard about this system you know but but we we we, we run mostly in in uh, northern america right now because the half half of the world market is there it's canada and united states in that order that that i mean the canadian they're crazy about ice yes and yes we, we tested it it in in uh, british columbia and 10 ice arenas and there they heat the water with gas. So they skipped that. And we told them, well, you should have a, um, something around 17 to 18 Celsius degrees, because otherwise the, the ice freezes too fast and it gets rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were, they were nice, but they sort of lowered the, the temperature on the cooling system instead. So it didn't freeze that, that very fast. It froze, froze fast, but it, not that fast. And they were able to save up to 58% of the energy they used earlier. And considering uh, Malmö Arena, where I, close where I live, they use about 10,000 10, kilowatt hours per day. So that means 5,800 5, kilowatt hours per day. And my house uses about uh, two times. So two days for my house is, is, is uh, two, no, for a year. For my house is two days for them, and and I mean that's a lot of energy. So just by doing that, they could save a lot of money. I mean, and a lot of carbon dioxide, etc., etc. The machine time goes down, so you have a, a lesser uh, time between uh, failures, or so and and lesser maintenance, lesser work, etc. So there are a lot of benefits, but sometimes this is too good to be true. 
Uh, so people are, especially in Sweden, I would say, because we have a very sort of um, strong um, uh, antipathy against uh, things that seems too good. That's typical Swedish, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, so, and, and then we had problems because uh, some people said that this water is very good for your health. It might be. I haven't been trying to show that. Uh, but we had our kind of guys that selling small units that you put under your crane or a tap. And they sold one to the Swedish government and they made a lot of fuss about that and it was raising hell. And at the same time, they wrote about us in a technical uh, newspaper and they combined us. <laughs> so we had problems by, I, I, you shouldn't mention, I, the, a lot of these trolls, you know. And, and <laughs> yeah, we, we try to stay away from that. Uh, it might be, we are shown that if you use this water for watering plants during growth, you increase the, the yield with so far up to 20%. We tested this in Dubai, in, where they were growing cucumbers in our, our greenhouse, which was divided in two parts, one part with our system, one part with the same water, same fertilizer, same everything, but without our part. And they found that uh, the growth was, the growth was about six to seven percent better, but also the the uh, the uh, lifetime on the shelves in in the in the store was about fifteen to twenty percent better. And all in all, they got a twenty percent better yield. And we also tested in at the the agriculture university here in Malmo, uh, growing tom tomatoes, and it seems that uh, if you treat the water tomatoes get more stress tolerant because uh, what she did uh, the student she took um, she had one system and with treated water and the other system with untreated water in a hydroponic system but she grew it from from small from seeds so she took out the small plants uh, very very quickly out into the uh, controlled environment and uh, there was a, a very uh, the plants got a light shock but it seemed that the, the plants with the, um, that was drinking treated water, they survived better, they grew stronger, they ha had um, uh, more leaves and the stems were more thicker, etc. So, but this was, a, this was a very initial study, so it created more questions than it actually answered. But uh, something happens, and that's the, the fun thing. Yes, it's quite interesting that you mentioned uh, the stress of the water. Uh, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I uh, heard about uh, Emoto, uh, that yeah. the water has memory. How do you see this uh, thing? Because it maybe sounds weird for uh, daily people. Well, uh, I've, seen, I've, been, I've been on one of his lectures. He was here in Malmö for a couple of years ago. Sadly, he's dead now. Anyway, and um, first, his problem is that it's very difficult to uh, replicate his his uh, his um, his uh, tests. But we also know that water is a very sensitive liquid, and and he's shown that, that if you play a Mozart for for the water and and hard rock for it, it creates different kind of crystals. But I think that's actually how you act on that kind of music. If you like Bach music, 
and hate uh, ACDC or whatever, <laughs> you, you react different to it and your emotions is sensed by the water. So that's, it's not the water itself, but, but if you, if you sort of can have some kind of increased heat radiation while listening to Bach, I don't know, but something is different. And the, the crystallization process is a very strongly unlinear un process which means that a very, very, very small change causes great differences. So, well, uh, what, what he shows is that something is happening. That, that's, that's, but exactly if you can say, if you play Mozart for the water and, 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 and uh, heavy metal or whatever, it creates this and that, mm, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's <laughs> yes. very interesting in a way. And that's also, it's very connected, I think, to, to what's happening. I talked about this, this ice-like water that is on, on the top of the ice, and water that has ice under it and, and air uh, atop of it, and it doesn't know what, what should I be. Should I be liquid or should I be a solid or whatever? And, and uh, that kind of structuring is a very sensible process. And sometimes, if you have control of it, you can create extremely nice results, but you can also create uh, chaos. So mm, there's still a lot of science that has to be done there, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Isn't it very interesting that water, that is so common, I mean, it's one of the chemicals that we use most of every day, it's so unknown. I mean, they say water is one of the most uh, uh, investigated subjects or, or substances we have, but we don't know. We may know a lot about oxygen, we may know a lot about hydrogen, but when you put them together, make water out of it, we don't, we know nothing. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, how do you see the role of, uh, uh, you mentioned Greta Thunberg, the role of new generation uh, in this sustainable transition, or not just the youth generation, but usually the actual people. The fantasy belongs to the youth, as I'm <laughs> uh, and, and I mean, uh, uh, Geta Thunboy said, she, she, she mentioned uh, uh, a lot of stuff in the 2015 in Paris, but she said, you, you are actually lying to us. To us, the younger generation, you're lying to them because you're doing nothing. And more or less, she's right. But what I think, I don't think the political way is the correct way. You must show that this technology works and it saves a lot of money. That's the only way to hit it. I mean, your wallet is your weak point. So if you, you I mean, showing in, in, in the United States today, uh, the the industry of, of, of um, sort of uh, wind power and, and solar power and stuff like that has passed the oil industry. It's it's much stronger and it's much more uh, creating much more work opportunities and much much more uh, money for for the owners etc. than the oil industry. But still they are stuck in the oil like babies with a, a sort of teddy bears or something <laughs> so so 
you must be able, there must be a kind of, a new kind of economists that can actually understand the technology and understand the benefits and be able to calculate how much you could earn, how much you could save, etc. And be able to sort of, uh, sort of communicate this to uh, those who are in charge. And, and uh, I saw a program yesterday from this green school on, on Bali, uh, where the kids, I mean, they were, I think they were eight degrees. And they, I mean, what happened in them during that year they were there, they were so much, I mean, uh, their mind was really sort of turned over and they really started to think and you should hear them expressing themselves. It was wonderful to see. <laughs> and and uh, that gives hope. That gives hope. Yeah. So, yeah, um, what should I say about the strategies? I mean, you, you must be, you must hit where it hurts most, but most, sorry. Uh and that's the economy. That's the world. They they don't understand. They don't give a shit if the the uh, uh, dolphins are dying out in the Mexican Gulf or whatever. <laughs> if uh, if they can earn money, if they're not doing that, they will invest in it. Yeah. I mean, we have the big big banks in Sweden that have declared in their environmental policy that we should not put in money in in oil industry or, or coal industry in brown coal industry and what are they doing they're lending out billions of swedish crown to german uh, uh societies uh, taking up brown coal and burn it so <laughs> they do nothing they just go for the money and we must show that it's possible to go for the money in this way yeah, it's a kind of paradox, and uh, it's, yeah. it's weird that there are a bunch of uh, innovative and profitable ideas and concepts, and the big actors just don't realize them or don't uh, pay attention to them. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, th I think people that, that need the power is a very, I would say, a very, uh, well, impressionable person he, he can he's very charismatic and we need those kind of people as well but i think that that you have to put all of this down to the younger generation sadly this this problem belongs to you because you will live longer than i will do <laughs> yes. and, and, and to to our sons and our daughters and their sons and their daughters and, and on you must start to sort of it, it must be a kind of grassroots movement from the beginning. So everybody sort of is involved in this from the beginning. This thinking must be from as a sort of learned reaction or something. Uh, and I, sometimes I see it. It's not it's the, the critical mass is not big enough, but it's coming, I think. So we must keep on doing what we're doing, I guess. <laughs> Yes. If you could give us an advice, what would you say? I think you should... Basically, it's a matter of education. You must kind of root a thinking where you sort of um, provoke or, or ask questions. Ask, ask questions that provokes all the time. 
to sort of uh, develop the thinking. And then you must also put, have people that can understand the physics behind this, because it is physics as well. But they must be open-minded and unbiased at the same time. The same thing with, with economists, and they must also work together, uh, which is not the same thing. as I don't know how it is in your country, but in Sweden, we have economists and, and, and the engineers, and the engineers say it doesn't work, but they say, oh, it's much cheaper this way, but it doesn't work. <laughs> so you have to stand side by side, and you have to sort of create this kind of inter interdimensional thinking <laughs> in, in, in the, uh, yeah so they have to cooperate together uh, that's the the uh, kind of the first thing when you start to, to have the the, um, the ground uh, the kids must learn how to work together how to sort of interact with each other and then you have to put people up but they should still have this kind of mindset open-minded but un, un, unbiased at the same time which sometimes is a paradox, and, and, and doing the, the, the stuff, the, the environment, and then get together to solve the problem. And also, always count at the, that's, that the environment is number one. I mean, if we, if we don't have the earth, earth we live in, okay, some, some people say we can go to Mars, but that's not in this... this <laughs> Yes, I think. <laughs> anyway, we have we have just this this poor planet, and and um, so we have to take care of that. So in all investigation, all things, in all development or whatever we are doing, we must have our kind of of, of a principle that says, well, take it easy. Let's let's check first. Is this all right? This. Uh, substance we are going we say it, it is non-toxic it's good but is it really that do we know what really like that is same thing we do with, with this vaccine for 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 covid i mean in sweden we have a lot of people being a little bit scared of it because i think it, it has been going so fast but uh, i mean they they do have reasons to to be a, a bit afraid of it because we have a couple of years Earlier, we have this swine influence, but people got uh, an epilepsy of the, the vaccine. And so people are a bit reluctant. And that's a good thing to be, uh, to think one more time. Uh, what to say? Is, is, it, is it National Geographics? Think again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, as Victor Schauberger said, we must think 180 degrees the opposite. Go out in nature especially found, find as wide uh, nature as you can find and study the water, study the nature, study the fishes, the plants. So uh, that's uh, one of the best way to approach it. It takes some time, 10 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, th there will be um, this meeting in the summer, in the beginning of August in Austria, Badischl. Uh, at the the uh, Jörg Schauberger's house, yeah. it's called PKS. Uh, Started for Pythagoras Kepler system or something, um, and it will be the last. But if you are interested in Schauberger technology, go there, and and uh, a lot of 
strange people will be there. <laughs> and I will be there as well. Yeah, thank you very much for the recommendation. Thank you. Soon I will sort of fix my site Vortex World, which be related which will be related to, to all this vortex technology. And if someone is interested to sort of participate or study and, and work, please contact me. Thank you for listening us. It was the Brewmakers podcast by myrabase.com with Orshoya Böte.